Hey, this is John Matalavich from the Human Advancement Podcast, powered by Ruthless Performance. Today, I'm joined by Allie Duran. Is that right? Duran. 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 Can't say my own last name right. You have <laughs> you have five letters in your last name. I have ten, and I think mine's bad. So, I guess I'm I'm doing a, a disservice here. But um, so we, like I said. Uh, before we kind of run in the same circles and um, we, we know a lot of the same people in the area, but you have a, a pretty prolific career in terms of uh, cooking and, um, and what what's in particular interest to me is wild game. So I think, you know, just kind of as a background and, and how it would relate to some of the people I work with, um, which, you know, I do a lot of the strength and conditioning work for hunters is how did you come into being such a prolific wild game uh, chef? Yes. Oh, chef. I like that. I, yeah, I, said I, that I hesitate to take the title, but, um, yes. So John, like you said, um, I'm Allie Dorn with Miss Allie's Kitchen. Uh, it's a boutique media company really, but I am an author and a food blogger and, um, wild game is really the focus of Miss Allie's Kitchen and the brand as a whole. And it's like largely what I cook in my kitchen. Um, I come from a household of pork, chicken, and a little bit of beef eaters. That's how I grew up. And I met my husband, and he's a big game hunter. Um, we frequently have anywhere. Right now, we have bear, venison, and pheasant, actually, in our deep freeze. So we frequently have different types of meats. And I really wanted to expand our horizons past maybe some deer sausage on a Saturday morning, deer sticks for snacks about five to six years ago. So as, you know, a home cook, I really was pushing myself to try to work with the meat. And the first few recipes I made were absolutely terrible. I'm a healthier eater. And most of the recipes I found on Pinterest use a lot of things like cream of mushroom, condensed soups, really heavy ingredients that I just didn't have on hand or things were really complicated that I found. So I created my own recipes, started posting them on my website and everything, it started going viral on Pinterest and then the recipe started going viral just on the internet. So that's how I started the focus and I've just taken it from there and here we are. <laughs> yeah, I think the cream of mushroom uh, style recipes are what happens when you let the hunters do the cooking. They, um, that seems to be a common, especially with, uh, uh, squirrel seems to have a lot of cream of mushroom oriented recipes. They just kind of throw it in the Fried. crock pot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, it's interesting that you come at it from that perspective. Um, so with that, what, um, I would like to just kind of, I, you, I know you had mentioned about pheasants. So, I mean, I know there's, I think we still have about a week left of, um, in the pheasant in. I think before, it's till April. Yeah, so so there is a lot of time left with pheasant, but what? So mm -hmm. that's not necessarily something I have a, a lot of experience with, but I know when I have had it, what I thought was remarkable wasn't necessarily pheasant, but I have ten chickens here, um, and when I had my first round, and I found out some of them were roosters, ended up ultimately eating some of them, and it was remarkable how much not that pheasant tasted like chicken, but good chicken tasted like pheasant um oh, so interesting. I, it is it really is so i i would be interested just offhand if, if you have some some good um suggestions for pheasant or handling or preparation or anything so pheasant can be it, it's they're smaller mm -hmm. 
if you have a bird that is damaged or I mean, not to be crass, but blown apart, um, you're going to want to use breasts, but I always recommend with pheasant. I don't have a ton of experience with pheasant. I'm still exploring. So there aren't any recipes on my website. I would point you to the direction of Hank Shaw. Um, I think his, his website is honestfood.net and his name is Hank Shaw. He has a lot of pheasant recipes, but what I have gathered from the research that I've done so far is you always want to cook bone in because you want to get that flavor since it's a smaller bird and you don't want to dry anything out. It's very easily dried. I've made some pheasant stew and I think it's really, really great if you can, if, if your bird is blown apart, you, you know, you have to break it down. You can't roast whole roasted pheasant whole is apparently bar none. I have two in my freezer upstairs that I'm planning to work with in the next couple of weeks. But if you have to break it down, I would definitely recommend leaving things bone in and braising recipes. So anything like a stew or a cocova would be really great. So anything that you're really doing that's hearty with chicken or even turkey, I think turkey recipes and turkey tends to be drier. And that's the camp that you can get into with small game is it dries out because there's not as much and there's not as much fat on it. So that that's what I would say there. And then when I actually made cocoa with pheasant, I did marinate for two days. So marinating is always your friend with wild game because I think sometimes those flavors can be surprising to us and we don't want to necessarily mask them. We want to bring them out in the way and with flavors that pair really well with the bolder flavor. So venison definitely bolder and different than beef. And I think, like you said, I think good, well-prepared venison is better than beef. But, you know, if you go in and expecting like a beef recipe, like beef fajitas or something, it's going to be different if you're going to use venison, but it can be better. Um, I think you, well, you said, you know, good chicken is like pheasant, but yeah, I would venture to say that well-prepared venison is better than beef. Kind I of would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, do you, so when you're, be it pheasant or anything small for that matter, how, how meticulous are you about um, like turning the bones afterwards into stock? Is that something you do on a regular basis? I do. And I don't actually have a ton of small game experience. My experience is largely with venison. That is my bread and butter and bear. Um, however, I am pretty meticulous. Even when I get, you know, meat from the store, if I'm going to get a whole chicken from the store, we pretty much put our scraps of onions, garlic, tomatoes, and celery in Ziploc or reusable freezer bags. And we keep it and I just freeze my bones. It doesn't have to be something that you do right then and there. And then you put whatever is left. You can just make a stock. I do like to roast all of my kitchen scraps or vegetables and the bones before I make a stock. I just did that a couple weeks ago with uh, pheasant and um, I don't know, just 400 degrees, 25 minutes, get some color on everything and then pour it with some filtered wa filtered water and let it go for, I would say at least five hours, but it's, it's really tasty. And it's a good way. I think to respect the animal just to get that, like every last bit, every last bit of flavor. And then the next time you're cooking, you don't have to use chicken stock or store-bought. You've got something, you know, 
fin to, I mean, beak to feather, would that be the way to, yeah, beak to feather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I like the, so I think people might be almost somewhat confused and think that Ruthless Performance is somewhat schizophrenic in terms of like uh, having various people on and like what, how, what is your relationship to what I do with high performance and everything. But I mean, what, one of the nice things about it, if I go to any page in like the, I have your, the venison every day cookbook here. If I go to any oh, page yeah. of that, almost underlying that you didn't write that to be a nutrition book. Having said that though, everything in there is substantially more nutritious than what most people are eating on a regular basis because the core ingredients are so packed with um, nutrients. And in the case of something like a game stock, um, from a health perspective, I mean, collagen, um, yeah, literally yeah. all of the things that you're not getting from the muscle meat itself you, is is withheld in that stock. Um, Absolutely. And I, I just had on, actually, one of the last podcasts I did was with someone who does a lot of nutrition work for us. Uh, he, he had recommended doing uh, fish stocks with the, with the eyeballs in, I guess, for vitamin, uh, vitamin A. So that's a, something okay. I haven't yet done. I can't imagine, I can't imagine it being a, necessarily for flavor, but but we'll see in the coming weeks. I'm going to try when. Well, probably that bad. I know my family. We, um, my dad, we make a whole roasted sea bass or brandini a lot. We just mm-hmm. whole whole fish. So you could really just scale it and then put it the whole carcass and whatever's left of the meat and just put it in right there. I didn't realize that I had vitamin A, but yeah, absolutely. I definitely didn't. When I started Miss Allie's Kitchen, which is my website, the website portion of my brand, it was, the focus was to be a healthy food blog. And I found two things. The first thing being, I was literally swimming in a pool of you know, hundreds of thousands of other bloggers. And we were all kind of saying just about the same thing. My target then, I was about 22 years old. And my target then, I'm sorry, I wasn't 22. I was 25. But my target then was busy moms. And (laughs) now that I'm a mom, I see how misguided it was for somebody (laughs) without kids to be like, yeah, hey, busy moms, check out my recipe that I think is pretty quick. She would have been like, Bull crap. <laughs> I Two don't want to take later. advice. Right, right. I don't want to take advice from, you know, some 25 year old who quite literally, my husband was, then boyfriend was commuting about like four hours a day. So I would go to work, I would go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half, and then I would cook dinner for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so I don't really have much else to do. Um, so, you know, I, my focus was completely different. But you know, I felt like I was trying to get this message across that eating real food, nutritious food, not necessarily, I, my, I'm lucky, my husband is lucky, we don't have any food allergies or intolerances, so we eat everything. Um, and, you know, occasionally pizza, ice cream, wine, whatever. But um, I found that also trying to break into that health food sector it felt like you had to categorize what you were eating and that's not something that I do. And a lot of people found flaw with the fact that we don't categorize, we just eat to eat. Um, that's I, why the nutrition world doesn't work because the right. nutritionist, the, the whole, the whole presupposition of, of what they're doing is that 
you need uh, an expert to discern what you're doing. And, and that's why it's a problem as opposed to just simplicity and sustainability. And exactly. those are the two things that, that make diet work for everybody. I mean, if you just focused on those two things, I mean, I, I mean, even like, you know, there's on the, on the cover here, I mean, there's, there's spaghetti and everything, but I mean, even everything you would get rid of 95% of, all of these aging and health ailments that people are experiencing just and still eating in a way that isn't uh, eating in a way that isn't um shitty eating in a way that's delicious i mean it's just and that's kind of where i'm at like that's um that's one of the reasons i came to uh and this is probably like a third or fourth time i've mentioned this in talking to you was the venison cheesesteaks thing where it's like yeah. I, it's like it's the ultimate for me because it's right. I, like I get to eat cheesesteaks on a pretty regular basis, but just the the way in which I'm doing it, you know, I'm getting with the shiitake mushrooms and with the red onions and every uh, even with locally sourced bread, it it's one. It's like um, I don't want to say necessarily challenge, but it's like something to strive for. Is just making really good cheesesteaks that I don't feel like shit afterwards. Like I can eat these cheesesteaks and then go and uh, go to the gym afterwards, which is like, how exactly. awesome is that? And they don't, right. and it's not even like, it's not even like I would categorize it as a health food, but it just happens to be that because it's filled with all these good things. Exactly. And you know, bread and cheese are not inherently bad foods. It's just sometimes, you know, I, I love going out to eat this as much as the next person. But I feel like obviously this year, it being 2020 into 2021, we haven't been eating out as much. And it's amazing when we do order out or go out. Wow. I mean, I'm just, we're like wrecked. Yeah. (laughs) Because of like the oils and the sodium content. And it's really interesting when you can just like cook real food at home, make what you're craving, make food you like that makes you excited. Um, for us, that happens to be a lot of wild game because it's what we have on hand. And, you know, sustainability is such a huge portion of that. But I agree. And it helps you feel excited about the food that you're eating. And it doesn't feel like I have to eat healthy. It's like a celebration of food and a celebration of being human and being able to move. And it just supports what you want to do. Right. Like what, one of the, one of like a, a true joy of mine is um when usually like the first year i get of the year i'll have um i'll have just like uh like what i guess you'd call my extended family over and just do like a, a roast with the the back straps um and then i'll do like a um a cranberry chutney almost oh uh, yeah and it's it, it's cool just from the just from the perspective of of literally from field to table it's it's um it's a neat meditation on just kind of the whole eating experience, I guess. Absolutely. I would be, I, you had mentioned about bear. I'd be interested in going to detail about that. I'm actually, um, and depending how um, detailed we can get, I'd be happy to go pretty down the rabbit hole on this. So in yeah. the end of April, I'm doing a, um, a spring bear hunt in Idaho. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in so I not I've hunted bears, I've seen bears, I've never taken a bear. So I'd be interested in your perspective on spring versus fall if you're familiar with it and then um 
what some of your favorite recipes are or, or even just generally your recommendations for processing? Do I leave the whole sure. thing mostly intact and big muscle cuts? Do I get a lot of it ground? Okay, so to your first question, um, spring versus fall, I don't have a lot of point of reference because we have only had a fall uh, PA black bear. So not many, yeah, never, not many are springs. Unfortunately, he would love, my husband would love to go to Idaho. We actually uh, honeymooned in Wyoming, but we had to drive through Idaho to get to um, the access point in Yellowstone. And it is amazing. So you're going to love it out there. It's really cool. It's actually <laughs> a state. I feel like it's way under visited. <laughs> I, I agree. And I want to keep it that way. I actually, so <laughs> last year I, I did two hunts out there. And unfortunately, they changed. They changed the uh, they changed the rules and make it a little harder for out of state folks. But it is still one of the few states that does have that spring black bear hunt. So trying to get that in right before um, right before I'm I'm held up here all May with with uh, turkey when I have the opportunity. Right. Well, anyway, to get back, that's awesome. And um, I personally think that bear. It's amazing. It's so delicious. My recommendation would to be, I, I would get your larger cuts. Like I would get shoulder roasts. I would get rump roasts and I would get them cut down into like, oh, I would say like three pound ish portions if you can. And then I would get the rest ground actually. I don't usually recommend that. Like for deer, I always encourage people to keep as much of your deer intact, like keep the ribs intact, you know, get those um, shanks, keep them. They're amazing. But for bear, the problem that we run into there is it needs to be cooked to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. So unfortunately, you can't really cook a really good bear steak or like a really good bear, um, like tenderloin or filet because it needs to be cooked well done. Uh, the a bear's diet, I believe, is the contributing factor. It is at higher risk for foodborne illness. So it's literally just like working with chicken and turkey. So you need to make sure it's cooked to 165 Fahrenheit. You know, a lot of people are mistaken and they think that you can't eat bear because of that. It's not the case. You just can't like, you know, I tell people if they don't like venison, they're probably cooking it too well done. So we can't take that portion of the equation out with bear. So I have a recipe for bear chili on my website, bear burgers. I have a recipe for like shepherd's pie soup on my website that is excellent with bear. Bear tastes more like beef or and or bison. I think bison and bear are very similarly like they're a little bit sweeter. There's a higher fat content, obviously, <laughs> an animal like a deer. Um, so it, it's very tasty. It's absolutely delicious. Um, Bear roasts are great. Um, I personally prefer, prefer to ground meat, and I love a good bear burger. Obviously, you do have to cook it to 165, which I know people don't. I don't cook my, like, venison, elk, beef burgers to 165. I cook them to about 145 is when I pull mine. So, like, medium, medium. Yeah, about medium. Um, however, I don't mind it with the bear because it is so fatty. Not so fatty, but there is a good amount of fat. So it's juicy enough that it's tasty. Um, and with cheese, I'm actually sometimes person that doesn't put cheese on my burgers. I will put cheese on my bear burgers just because you have to cook it to well done. And it's really good. But bear chili, 
I think that's up there. One of my favorites, Bear Chili, is my husband's favorite, bar none. Like, he absolutely loves it. Like, better than better than venison. I probably prefer venison. I like that leaner meat flavor. He loves Bear Chili. That is his favorite. We just did, and I, I'm still going through um, a batch of venison chili here. And one of the things I just did, which was a game changer, was um, in lieu of oyster crackers, I've been just killing bags of Tostitos into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. That's like, As, that's a spoon, man. Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and yeah. lots of sour cream and hot sauce. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then you should make the bear chili recipe on my site. Do, I do um, Tabasco and sour cream in my chili or an avocado. And then what? you use the uh, tortilla, is it the, tor- uh, the Tostito scoops. It's like a perfect spoon. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I, it's interesting that you said about the Tabasco because I'm usually more, uh, I like Frank's hot sauce more, but for something like that, I think the Tabasco is fantastic. It's better. It's, it's vin- more vinegar forward. Okay. That's what that is. Yeah. That's why anything vinegary or acidic or bright works really well with like rich flavors. That's why it works so well with wild game. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you do any, do you do much work uh, with um, organ meats? You know, that's one thing that I really want to branch into. I think it is extremely beneficial. Um, When I was pregnant last year, I was taking liver supplements, Um, but it's interesting. I had a complete aversion to like beef and pork while I was pregnant, like could not eat it. I could eat venison pretty That was like the only, I could eat bear. I could tolerate it, Um, but I really could eat venison and elk and I, I'm someone who has had low iron levels in the past and never once, that's like a common problem, never once that I have. My iron levels were great. My daughter's iron levels are great now. Um, so it's really interesting to me. So um, organ meats are not lost on me, and it's definitely an avenue I want to go down. Yeah, I, I agree with the from a health perspective with the liver. I, I make it a point to – ensure that I'm having venice or some kind of liver at least once a week. Right now oh, I have great. it. Yeah, I have it portioned out um, either my own venison livers from this year or other people that just, or basically I actually give it. So yeah, here's, here's one. I, so last day of late archery season and when Flintlock was in, I was out okay. hunting. I hear a gun go off the Flintlock. And then didn't think much of it. And then just by happenstance, walk towards where the gun went off later in the afternoon as I'm leaving, see the gut pile. And I took the liver. So I've, I've been eating. Yeah. But I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> why it, it gets so warm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, why that's not? how serious I am about the liver thing. I, I go pretty crazy for that. That's and then great even, though. It's so yeah. beneficial. Even with the, the dogs, I have them on. They're on a, we have two pit bulls and they're both on a, like a raw meat diet. So a lot of organ meat. It's that pretty heavy in terms of how much liver is in that. Interesting. Oh, I think we have a black lab. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Trying well, to keep that, her healthy and young. <laughs> that, well, then that is a good segue into um healthy habits and talking about oh, yeah. uh, about them and some of what they have because they have um this bullhard diet 
stuff for the dogs. Um, I would recommend that as a good place to start for, uh, for feeding your dog a raw meat diet. So you, it's basically, it's like you put, uh, the starter is basically half a cup of this mixture that they have, which is basically dehydrated liver with, uh, a half a cup of like 80, 20 ground and then a cup of water. And that's like the, the base. And then, yeah, based off of the dog's activity level, I'll, I'll fluctuate up or down from there. Like I'll add. She's uh, high. <laughs> yeah. Raw, like, then I'll, I'll add some of the eggs from the chickens or I'll add uh, chicken feet or just basically so lots of sardines. Yeah. So. But I, oh, and they've, they've responded really well to that. And for some reason, what's really interesting is they actually, um, they don't pick up ticks as much when they're on that diet. Yeah, it's it's wild because something about their acidity in their blood. I don't know. I, I'm That's not a dog physiologist. She picks up. We have her on something because she picks them up. Um, we do have her on a pretty like well, obviously real high quality um, food regimen right now. But I have not explored like totally raw. That's interesting. Yeah, I and it's something. Yeah, it's something I wouldn't have necessarily thought of, but just because all the work we do with um, the dog rescues and everything, it's just kind of something that came into my periphery, mm. and it it makes so much sense. Well, we got to keep them healthy too. We are like very passionate. She's only two and a half, but she's a member of the family. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same. Um, so yeah, let's talk about. I I, I see you at Healthy Habits a, um, a good bit. So I think even just from a local perspective. I like healthy habits because they have a lot of things that you wouldn't otherwise think you'd be able to kind of conjure up in Schuylkill County somewhere. Yes. Here's what I've always said about healthy habits. It's everything that I would want to buy from Whole Foods without actually having to go through a large Whole Foods. And I think their prices are absolutely comparable. Like, um, you know, I grew up somewhere where Whole Foods was uh, accessible. It's somewhere we frequently shopped and I just love the community aspect of healthy habits. I think they have great products and a lot of people don't realize if there's something that you want to try, you can always ask and they can see about getting it in for you as well, which is the beauty of it. Um, but they just have a great selection of, you know, they do their best to get local produce when they can, local meats when they can. They have a really great selection of like, I know personally I'll buy like beef tallow and things like that um, for like, uh, skincare and lotion making they have they have a lot available um, and I know they have organ meats as well now um, which you probably know because I know um, one of the owners is interested in uh, organ meat eating I don't know if that's the way you say it yeah <laughs> well. I, I don't I don't know but it, yeah eating, it's, <laughs> eating organs <laughs> what's nice is me and buddy go through the same uh, nutritional ADHD phases at the same time so like we get really into mushrooms at the same time and then we get like really into organ meat at the same time. So it is nice to have all these things kind of at my disposal. Did you try um, those, uh, four sigmatic? Yeah. Um, the other stuff that they have, uh, sorry, just looking up at, I don't know if they still have it. Um, the four sigmatic was good, but it was an extract. Um, so for people that don't know, four sigmatic is, either a coffee or some kind of elixir that has mushroom in it. But in the case of Four Sigmatic, what they do is it's actually an extract, which it still works. I mean, it's still efficacious, but um, 
one that they had for a short time period, I don't know if they still have it, is I think it's called King Organo. Um, okay. And that's, that's actually the spores as opposed to an extract. So Is it good? Yeah. Um, my my fiance, she drinks that on a daily basis as her regular coffee. Really? Yeah. I'm and, like, a, that is my one thing, coffee. Actually, not my one thing. The other one's wine and food, all food. <laughs> yeah. That, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, there and they have a few other elixirs there too. Like the one mushroom supplement they have is called like Five Defenders. There's a couple of different mushrooms in it. I've seen that one. Yeah. And I'm gonna make another uh, cheesesteak reference here. They have the um, they have the shiitakes there. The fresh shiitakes. The dried ones or oh, no, the even fresh. the fresh ones in the in the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Those things yeah. Are, those things are a game changer. I love mushrooms. We never have them because my husband doesn't really eat them, but I love them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're pretty fantastic. I mean, one of the nice things about um, even hunting is I get uh, I have the freezer loaded with ram's head from when they kind of go when they're in season, and then I just nice. dehydrate them. And they're not they're yeah. not nearly as good rehydrated, but at least I'm still getting into my diet. And then one of the other things I I just got in terms of mushrooms was um, birch polypore. So it's uh -huh. not it's not it's not highly edible, but it's antimicrobial. So it's almost like an additive or an antiviral that you could add to drinks. Um, basically, every time I find a mushroom out there now, I just kind of do a deep dive on it and just That's kind of cool. add it. In, yeah, yeah. The, I think so many people and so many things would be saved uh, with copious amounts of mushroom cons consumption. And I mean that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Nature's amazing. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot available to us. One of the, so some, I just kind of wanted to touch on a, a couple of the recipes that, that we do here on a regular basis that I like. Uh, oh yeah. The Venice, the venison meatballs. That is actually probably the most recent addition uh, of your recipes that we kind of have in our regular rotation. Those are those are pretty fantastic. Do you have anything to oh, say? Oh, I do like them. Yeah, yeah. So those are an allied. So I have a batch in my fridge right now as well that I need to put in the freezer. We love them. I, the number one tip if you're gonna make my um, my meatballs or a classic Italian meatball, um, make a double batch, freeze the other half for another time. First tip. Um, they are actually the recipe is inherently gluten free. I, my mom is sensitive to dairy and gluten. She is not gluten and dairy free anymore. She was for a long point. And when I was living with them for like four months, when I moved back, um, I'm from the Philadelphia area, was living down South. And when I moved back up, I lived with them just for a little bit. And at that time period, she was gluten and dairy free. So I got really used to cooking gluten and dairy free just because that's how she was eating. So I started using almond meal and almond flour a lot, and I came to find that they made really delicious meatballs. A lot of people, I don't particularly care for soaked bread in my meatballs. It's too soggy for me, so breadcrumbs were usually where I went, like a panko or just an Italian breadcrumb, and I think that almond meal or even almond flour, if you don't have almond meal, almond meal is just like a little bit of a coarser ground. Um, is fantastic in meatball. So if you don't have that, like I said, you can use a regular traditional breadcrumb exactly sub for sub, um, one to one. 
however you want to say it. But they're very simple. I always bake my meatballs off at a higher temperature. I use 400 degrees usually just to get some color on them. And then you could like transfer them into a sauce. You can pan fry them. I just think they're better baked first and then put into like a sauce if you're serving them that way. Um, I just filmed a recipe though, another recipe in my cookbook. You can take those meatballs just as they are and put them on a flatbread put some um, like cheese, I like mozzarella, some a bunch of arugula and a balsamic glaze, bake it off and it's a really nice little appetizer as well. So there's a lot that you can do with those little meatballs, meatball subs too, I mean, if, you're, if that's your jam. They're versatile, but um, I really, I think there's something special and they have an addition of balsamic vinegar in there, which really helps to enhance, but kind of tone down that rich, some people call it gamey flavor of the venison that I know some people aren't a fan of, which I understand. It's it's unfamiliar to a lot of people. Yeah, I yeah, I think I don't know. I think there's a few different ways to classify what people consider gaminess. I think part of it is just people uh, almost have their taste buds just kind of trained out of them. But I think in another regard, I think sometimes I think it can come down to 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 uh, less than meticulous handling. Which it can. And, you know, a big thing that I have found, too, is, um, you know, it depends on when the buck was harvested. So if you harvest the buck in peak rut, they've got a lot of hormones just, like, coursing through their veins, which that's going to affect the flavor. And it's just like, you know, veal versus steak. If you harvest, like, a younger, like, management buck as opposed to, like, a huge, like, mountain trophy buck, they're going to taste differently. Um, my husband hunts in Ohio. I prefer the PA deers. I just think their diet is a little bit different. So there's a lot of things, but I think we're conditioned to like eat things that are probably grain fed, maybe grass, quote unquote, finished. Mm -hmm. So they have a relatively like similar diet. So they all kind of like all beef kind of tastes the same because it all kind of, they all kind of eat the same thing. So when you're getting a wild animal that's eating, like maybe one of them's eating corn, maybe one of them's feeding from like a soybean field, maybe one, of, I, I don't know, you know, just what, maybe one of them is like exclusively like mountain forest. And so, you know, you, you never really know where they're eating from. There's a lot of different things, but I agree. But I think it's uh, largely due to people, you know, commercialized meats. That's what we're used to. Are you... Just as a as a tangent here, back into uh, back into bear almost. Um, do you ever do any? Do you ever render fat? Or I don't, but I would really like to. And a really good friend of mine, if you're interested in wild game cooking, uh, Brie Van Scooter or Van Scotter, I think it is, um, with Wilderness to Table. She's wonderful. She just came out with two cookbooks, and she has a this year. And then she has a free uh, ebook, and it's all about baking with like rendered fats. So like duck fat, pie crust. Um, I think she's got like boar fat shortbread cookies. So she would be a really good resource if you're interested in that because I'm, I don't know if she has any bear, but I, a, I know she's super great and you could message her. Um, and I know she just went on a bunch of hunts and was filming a ton of content. Don't know what network it's for, but um, She's really cool. So she would be somebody to pair up with. That was something I, I was curious about too. What you said about duck that I think um, that's probably one of my favorite cooking fats is duck fat. Yeah. 
I know it's it's a real delicacy. I haven't had a chance to work with it in my kitchen, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I agree with that. What is it's it's interesting. One of the things I, I've done is kind of as opposed to uh, as opposed to focusing on like with my cooking, and not and I'm not a good cook by any stretch of the imagination. But one of the things I've done is just kind of focused extensively on the few things that I really enjoy um, and to the point where it, it's kind of it's checking off a couple boxes at the same time like when uh, like steaks for example I've gotten to the point I love steaks I probably eat steak in some capacity usually venison probably four or five times a week and I almost always rather what I'm making as opposed to even going to some pretty nice steakhouses. So it's like there's a trade-off where you're actually kind of accruing a skill, but at the same time, you're also saving a lot of money from, from yeah. going out to these places. It is so funny you say that. I mean, I enjoy the experience of going out, but, and I love to support local restaurants, but mm. I mean, man, we pretty much go out for like the experience and we go out to have like a nice long evening of like appetizers, main dish, dessert, drinks. You can't forget that at home. But a lot of times we will walk away and the, my husband will say like, well, I definitely know that meal would have been better at home. So it's, it's kind of like this trade off and, you know, you get to tailor things to your taste buds, but also back in the kitchen, there's so many, and I have a little bit of background in the restaurant industry. There's so many different factors, like trying to get the whole table's meal ready at the same time. Like your food might've been under the warmer. Who knows? The sous chef could have added a little too much salt. You don't know what kind of oil they're using. Probably more like canola oils, peanut oils. You and I are probably using more like olive oil or like I mean, I primarily work with olive oil or grass-fed butter or maybe like a little bit of coconut oil. I don't traditionally I, cook with too much coconut oil. but I've been doing with the steaks um, just to kind of be able to bring the temperature up a little bit when I pan fry the steaks. I've been using avocado oil. Avocado, that. yeah. That's a good one for high heat. If you buy really high-quality olive oil, you can use it as high heat too. Do um, you have any recommendations for olive oil? I like, I get Bragg um, from Healthy Habits. That's a good one. Um, sometimes I'll get the Kirkland. I don't know how quality that one is. Um, is Bragg's like the apple one. cider vinegar people? Yes. Yep. Oh. It's, it's pretty, yeah. <laughs> They're, it's kind of crazy, but um, Healthy Habits to sell it. And I really like that one. It is a really nice flavor. And that is sourced, I think, directly from Greece. So, yeah. Is that, is, apple cider vinegar something you incorporate in anything i do in the morning a lot of times i'll do apple cider vinegar and lemon with hot water before my i am a coffee person i try to limit myself to um a cup a day so <laughs> i like to like build out my hot beverages and then i'll have my coffee i do i use it i use it as my evening coffee i do the same exact thing with apple cider okay yeah yeah and I'll, I'll fluctuate basically if i if I've had like a, I have nothing against sodium, but if like, if I've had a lot of like, if I've had a steak or something, I won't do bone broth, but uh, alternatively I'll do bone broth. If like I had like physically exerting workouts or something like that. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take one or the other. As yeah. Like a, 
hot thing. I know. I need to get back into bone broth. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty fantastic. And there's a bunch of it at Healthy Habits now. There is. Uh, so, I mean, you, you'd kind of touched on coffee and my thoughts on coffee are similar. I actually t- took January off completely from coffee and you I, will, me, man. <laughs> I will never do it again. I, even when I was on the bike run, the whole, I, for the past three or four years, there, there wasn't a day that I didn't have it. And I knew, I knew it was a problem when, um, I maybe in late December, it was prob- the first time in a few weeks that I've actually, I was, I had slept in and not even late, but until like eight thirty or something like that, by which point I usually already had my coffee and it was like, you know, 8.30 and I'm having a dream about coffee. And I was like, this is, this is, this is actually a problem. Like, this is not good. But do you That is so funny. It's, yeah. But that's, that's the only reason I, I wanted to kind of at least get a month off of it. But it, it won't ever happen again. No. You know what? That is the one thing, like, oh, it just is a, yeah, uh, it's like a happy thing for me. And it's it's interesting. Sometimes I've like not had coffee before and I don't get headaches if I don't have it for a little bit. Like it's not, I don't really think it's a caffeine for me. Um, and I try to really limit it and I'm still nursing, so I can't have a lot of it anyway, but, um, I don't know. It's a thing for me, but I have drank coffee since at least junior year in high school, like maybe sophomore, junior year. I started drinking coffee at age six and <laughs> my whole family, my mom is shorter. My dad's twin sister is like maybe five foot. My dad is like a five eleven. Um, you know, not not tall, not short. And uh, so, you know, they thought, oh my gosh, she like loves coffee. What are we gonna do? She's gonna be really short. I'm like pushing five nine. <laughs> so it didn't stop my growth. And I it is my one thing. It is you give me a cup of coffee, I'll take it black. I'm, I'm not like a sugar and all that jazz person. Um, but I love coffee. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I've gone to, um, cold brew. That's, that's what I've been doing. And I, I actually, it was because of the shutdowns. I got really good. That was one of those things. I got good at doing it at home because right. of the shutdowns. But now, I actually enjoy the cold brew I make more than I would from Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or something. I'm a hot coffee person. Like I will sit on the beach in July with a cup of hot coffee, but I get it. A lot of people love ice too. Well, even that's the, that's something from hunting is I, I I, see it's pretty seasonal for me um, in terms of when it's hot and when it's cold coffee during hunting season, it's hot has to be hot if you're in the tree stand yeah 100 percent. and i don't care that it smells like coffee out i like i'm totally willing to make that trade-off in the tree that i'm making everything smell like coffee i have to ask my husband if he brings his coffee to his tree stand i feel like he might not i don't know he probably leaves a trail of snacks though so I I I made a I made a switch from a 32 ounce stanley to a 36 ounce yeti and at first, I was still doing the 32 ounces of coffee, which is already excessive to begin with. But um, and that was when I was hunting. No uh, Because, yeah, all, all nutrition rules go out the window when you're uh, hunting. That's just kind of one of my free times from diet. It's when I get to eat, like, eight Snickers and then a half hour and not feel bad about it. 
Um, but <laughs> so now I'm, I'm up to a solid 36 ounces in the morning when I'm hunting. And wow. now I have the black rifle, uh, single serve, the instant Ooh. packets. Yeah. So that, oh, I haven't had the instant packets. We got that. Uh, I think we got that for father's day last year and it is, it's good. Yeah. It's my, my coffee go-to right now is, um, big iron coffee company out of steamboat springs. Uh, oh, I never heard of them. Yeah. They, I, they're pretty, they're like a, they're, I'd say they're probably pretty small, but their, their stampede blend makes a pretty fantastic French press. Very cool. Yeah. Good. Uh, one of the things I, I have not noticed about, your cooking or just kind of the things that I've seen peripherally about kind of what you're doing is um, a lack of like fruit. And this could just be my lack of observations, but do you have any like fruit forward recipes? Oh, with, with wild game or like separately in, yeah, in general, one or the other. Um, with wild game. No. However, I do have a blueberry balsamic reduction and I, I blueberry just breakfast sausage. Yeah. But it sounds like your cranberry chutney you were talking about earlier would be a similar purpose. And it's like that acidic bitey kind of flavor over a backstrap or tenderloin. It's really good. Um, on the other aspect, I am a big fruit eater. I'm a, my favorite thing actually it's so weird. They don't do well on my website at all, but I still keep posting them. Um, Google is weird. I make a lot of fruit pies. I'm a pie baker, like traditional crust. Um, if you haven't had one of my, like if you haven't had my pie crust, you haven't had pie. <laughs> it, so we love, um, my husband's favorite is blackberry uh, or like blackberry raspberry pie. I do peach pies a lot. Um, we have a Traeger grill, actually. I work a little bit with Traeger, and we'll do, like, pies on the Traeger. Um, so fruit is my favorite th way to use fruit is pies. Um, we I, Fruit heavy sometimes in the morning a little bit. We love a good, like, fruit and yogurt bowl or something like that. But Not most of my fruit recipes are pie. Uh, yeah, and like usually, I know you have like a but like the cookie recipes and everything are amazing. But I was just curious, almost not. I don't want to say from like a. Um, you don't want to do a dessert from a health perspective, but just kind of to give you that that sweet fix without. Yeah, and I don't. None of usually my big good recipes are not healthier anymore because that's just not the way that we eat. Like I right. found that when I was transitioning out of that food blogger, uh, that health food blogger world it felt like I would make us like my family, like a regular old pie. And then like, I would have to go do like something grain and dairy free just to do it. And I was like, you know what? I have a slice or two of regular pie every once in a while. Like I'm fine. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, most of my big good recipes sometimes they're healthier, but sometimes they're not. <laughs> have you, um, it just kind of struck something with me. I, I don't know if I came up, I don't know what prompted this because I don't even think I really knew what a cobbler was, but oh. I was actually, this was, this was on, uh, I went on a, this was a solo hunting trip, um, out to Idaho. And for some reason I was just overcame with the desire for like a combo blueberry peach cobbler. Oh Yeah. And like, cause independently they're amazing. And then I kind of, 
I don't, I think I just did basically a regular peach cobbler recipe, but then just threw in a yeah. bunch of blueberries and that was pretty killer. Yep. Oh, that sounds really good. I, I love good cobbler. I don't make them enough. I make more crisps. I have a peach blueberry pie with a crumble topping on my website. And that one's pretty good. <laughs> if you like that combo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one, of the, one of the last things that I think actually really just made our life super easy. Um, and this is something that's even we've kind of just grown and developed into just not even necessarily making it, tr not even trying to make it tasty anymore. We just do it out of the utility of it. But what was the baked bone-in chicken thigh recipe that you had? Um, oh, yeah. That one's really popular. I love that one. Yeah. And then what we, we added just like, since it's already in the oven, oven set, then we would just basically just throw a bunch of vegetables on another sheet and just bake a bunch of tomatoes. Yep. And uh, yeah, it, that, and the, we probably have some iteration of that in our diet once or twice a week. Just we do too. Of it. Yep. And chicken thighs are so easy to get. Like it's just, that's one of my favorite recipes. That was one of my first like, quote unquote viral recipes actually yeah and like it, it actually like it's it tastes like fried chicken it really does it kind of does doesn't it and it's yeah. not and you get those like really good fats so i the one thing my i i need that baked for a long time i really am like i Christine. if i'm I want it to be fried i want to pretend it's fried chicken so i just keep it in the oven for like an extra five or six minutes Make sure you're keeping, make sure you put your chicken, maybe I should update the recipe if it doesn't say this, because uh, it's an old recipe, but keep your chicken on the counter for 30 minutes before you bake and get it to room temperature. And then make sure the skin of that chicken is like really dry, like really, really dry. Can you do that? Can you dry out the uh, skin by throwing it in the freezer? Um, I've never like, done that. Yeah, like, I know you can salt it ahead of time and put it in the fridge, and that will draw out some of the moisture as well. I've never done the freezer method. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, you would know better than me. I just thought you could. It, no, it might be. It might be. I, I'm just not familiar. Um, I know I've the, done it with steaks. Have like, you? Okay. To get a better sear on the steak. But. Well, for steaks, what, what that's doing is it's actually making the center cold so that the outside cooks quickly but then the inside is still rare oh, so okay. with something like chicken you actually want it to be like room temperature so that the outside can get really really crispy but that the inside is already like kind of up to temperature so the inside and the outside doesn't like dry out while you're waiting for the inside to go cool uh lastest thing that I'm interested in. So, I mean, just from like um, a processing perspective, so deer's dead in the field. Um, so when, when you're getting your husband to get the, the, the deer processed, or I don't know, even if you do it at home for that matter, what kind of, are you having fat mixed in with that additional fat, like pork fat or anything? Off yes, of that? we do. It's usually about 10%. Um, and then even some recipes like the breakfast sausages, um, you know, they call for even ground pork. Um, and it, you know, it is optional if you don't want to add ground, like additional ground pork. I find that that's really great for people that are not familiar with venison. They tend to like, like 
when I was first introducing my mom to venison, I would make sure to like incorporate a little more like pork fat or something like that. So it's a little bit more of a mild flavor, but yes, all of our ground is cut with some sort of fat and it's usually pork. Okay. And then, and then that leads, this is more a, basically a personal question at this point. Yeah. Uh, meat grinders. Do you have a, a suggestion for, I need to get a meat grinder here. I, I don't have one. I don't have one. Um, I wonder if Camp Chef has one. Uh, let me look into it for you and ask um, a friend of mine because we are, we're in the process of building a garage on our home and the goal is to process all of our own meat once we actually have a large enough space where we could have like a sterile working environment. We don't have that now. And before we bought our home, we were in like a second story apartment. So definitely <laughs> the neighbors <laughs> definitely wouldn't have appreciated yeah. us like hanging a deer outside, <laughs> letting it drift down to the second floor. So we have not had the space or the resources. Um, and we don't have a grinder because we, we use, um, I forget where he takes it now. Mises, maybe? I forget where he takes it locally. They do a really nice job. And they actually, I do have your, I don't know if you have a vacuum sealer. I use mine like religiously. It's just a food saver, but they actually do vacuum seal and label for me. They, they know who Jared is and he comes in with like a list for me. So they'll, they will write everything out for me. It's really nice. Um, he throws in like an extra 50 bucks and they do that. And then I don't have to do that, which was nice this year with a, what was that? I had a three month old when he harvested this year. So that was good. But I will get back to you on that because we will be looking and we'll be in the market soon too. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. And I, Oh yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I know you're the, do you have, do you have a new cookbook in the works? Uh, I don't yet. I, I'm really still pushing this cookbook. I think a lot of people like tend to like jump to the second cookbook mm -hmm. and I, you know, for so long, I was like looking for like my thing to give to people like, yeah, I have recipes on my blog. And I was like, but I want like, I want to help people and I want like something to help them with. And I yeah. honestly, like, it sounds cheesy, but I really believe in the book. Like I wrote this book and I wish I had it six years ago when I met my husband. And like, I really believe that it can like change Maybe not change your life might be a stretch, but I, it's no, going to change I agree. your I pocket. You're not, you're not going crazy. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, because... I think it's going to change the way they think about working with venison. Um, I know how much money we save. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, like we didn't even have to blink an eye when there was a meat shortage. We had mainly bear at the time, but it, it wasn't even like a thing. It was like, oh, well, okay, like no big deal. So I, I think it's really important. And I think it's like, brings couples closer together being able to like I know I'm the one that typically like works with the meat and my husband generally kills it um some a lot of people I know it's flipped like you know the woman might be hunting and the husband might enjoy cooking or somebody might enjoy all aspects of it um but I think it's just the resources that I found are either really technical or really outdated and I'm not saying they all are but largely I have found. So my focus has just been to get this book in as many hands as possible, just because I care about it. And luckily we were just picked up by Cabela's. Uh, the book was actually out of stock. It was kind of due to my publisher's failure to really think about how popular the book was going to be. <laughs> um, 
I sold out like basically all of their inventory by the first week of December and then printing got held up with COVID. So that was a huge, huge bummer. But now that we're back up and rocking and rolling, I I would really like to spend like the next year just still and like even coming at the next hunting season just as strong as we did as we did this year with um, the cookbook. I might start negotiating, seeing, you know, what else is out there for another book, but I don't have like the idea yet. So yeah. <laughs> well, that's venison every day. And uh, yeah, we love it. I mean, we and, and like I Thank said, it's, I appreciate it from, from a health, it's, it's not meant to be a health diet book, but that's why it works as food. a health book. Yeah. Because it's yeah. real food. That's what people yeah. need to be eating. Are you familiar with Michael Pollan? Oh. Uh, or um, um, Omnivore's Dilemma is one of his Ooh, books. Yeah. But he basically, you got, if you're a reader, you need to read his book. I am. Um, yeah, he, it's, it, it, it's the kind of the culmination of between the two of us here, be, between the, the, the health perspective and from a, just from a real food perspective. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll definitely give that a check. Thank you. All right. But I know um, I'll be seeing you in the next couple of days at the gym. Yeah. We're going to do some, we'll do some demos and, and, but I will have this up Monday, but thank Great. you for joining me. Oh yes. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap on today's episode. You can find more about the human advancement podcast and ruthless performance on ruthlessperformance.com. I specifically recommend that you head to our online education tab where you can learn more about self-improvement, the physiology of performance, practices for enhanced wellness, and more. You can view all podcast episodes directly on our website at podcast.ruthlessperformance.com. I also recommend that you follow us on both Instagram and Twitter with the handle at RuthlessPerform. If you have any questions for our monthly Q&A or wanted to learn more about training with Ruthless Performance, including information on our athlete development training, injury prevention and corrective exercise protocols, personal training, or for consults or assessments, you can get in touch with us online at ruthlessperformance.com contact or via email at info at ruthlessperformance.com. The human advancement theme was written by Bernie Wallace-Savage.